The Ringer's Austin Gale joins the show, and we're ranking the most disappointing players in the NFL in 2024. Let's get it. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Renner Ranks, your go-to daily ranks podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day, and a special shout out to the everydayers making us your first listen every day. Don't forget, it's a lot of everydays. Don't forget your subs- to subscribe, follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And I, of course, am your host, Mike Renner, NFL Draft Analyst for The Messenger. And today's podcast brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free on linkedinjobs.com slash NFL. That's linkedinjobs.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As I said, we're ranking the most disappointing players. Players we had high hopes for, high expectations, but have so far not lived up to those expectations and may not live up to them in the future. So let's get in to AG and that interview. All right, AG, we always trend. We always do. I always do positive when you're not on the show, and then we trend negative when you get on the show because it's more fun <laughs> to hate on people when you're around, not just on my own. I sound like I didn't idiot or something like a uh, mm-hmm. hardo just hating on by myself but if we're discussing it it's not it doesn't sound nearly as bad so kick off your top three most disappointing players here so far this season I, and i made the rule no quarterbacks because those are too easy um and no rookies because obviously rookies always disappoint I, I also in addition i added another rule where i tried to stay away from players that have been like extensively hurt just because okay. i feel like Obviously, those are disappointing. You know, when you said no quarterbacks, it was good call because, like, I feel like Deshaun Watson has been obviously super disappointing for the injuries, and I know he's been injured yeah. as well. But even just how he's played, but then Daniel Jones. Well, I'm not disappointed, injury, but, but even before is. that, <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, so I went with my first one, second year wideout, Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans. Ooh. This year, I know he's been banged up. He played in weeks one through three, and then he played in week eight and in week nine. But in those five games. He has eight catches for 122 yards. And when I turn on the tape with Traylon Burks, it's hard to see, even when he, if, even if he can stay healthy, it's hard to see him being the number one wide receiver they essentially traded for him to be, right? Like they traded away A.J. Brown and acquired the draft capital to go get Traylon Burks. For him to be an A.J. Brown type of receiver, he's similar size. I think they like his explosive ability. But he's not A.J. Brown. I don't think he ever will be A.J. Brown. I don't even know if he's going to be a player that's necessarily capable of being Corey a Davis, legitimate. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a legitimate number two wideout. I think that the route tree is limited with him. Obviously can't stay healthy. I don't like what he's able to do at the catch point. I don't like what he's able to do in terms of yards after the catch ability. Even like he was so much better in, at Arkansas, more exclusively playing in the slot. And when I remember talking to Sam Pittman, the, the Arkansas head coach, it's like when we had press coverage, we threw him a go. And when he wasn't in press coverage, we threw him a slant. That's pretty much it. And like, I feel like that limitation is where he has to be in the league, which is so hard to plot for in an offense, given the draft capital they gave him. So him in the second year, one, not being able to stay healthy, stay healthy and two, not being a focal point of this offense, even when he is healthy, I, I think he's got to be one of the more disappointing players this year. Yeah, I, I wasn't particularly high on Burke. So I didn't have particularly high expectations, but like he did go to a spot that should have been like, if there was any place that should have been with like the route to the Tennessee runs, it should have been there that he could excel. And even on, you know, 
had multiple chances to make plays on deep balls from Levis a few weeks ago in his very first start and didn't come down with any of them. And they were like all balls that if you swap him for AJ Brown, you would be surprised if AJ Brown didn't come down with them, right? Like he would have come down with those. So sadly, uh, yeah, I have another second year wide receiver as mine and it's Sky Moore. Now I like, I have more over Burks coming out. Truthfully at this point, I don't think it matters. Both look like they're not going to be starting caliber NFL wide receivers. Now more, maybe a little bit more uh, sort of potential in that, you know, he wasn't a wide receiver in high school. He only switched to wide receivers freshman year at Western Michigan. And so still relatively new was a three year, you know, only played three years of college was still young coming out. still just turned 23 years old. So like maybe there's potential there and you do see him probably separate better on certain routes than Traylon Burks does. Like he can still get off the line of scrimmage, still run slants and stuff like that. But just not a physical route runner, unfortunately, gets pushed around too much. And when guys get their hands on him, he just can't get it off. And then he's just not an outside type of wide receiver. Like when he does not stack well on the outside when he runs pure go routes and he can't get open on hitches. Like he's just, he does not run a good stop hitch, any sort of route that has that element to it. 0.95 yards per out, 201 yards in the season. He's getting phased out, dude. Last game, he only played uh, 15 snaps against Miami. So was a starter at the beginning of the year, the guy that thought he was going to be the number one, and now isn't even like seeing the field. I was a big fan of Sky Moore coming out. I think both of us were. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been concerning that he's had not obviously he hasn't had the injury, you know, injuries that Traylon Burks has had, but he's had as much, if not more, opportunity in that Chiefs offense in terms of to like steal snaps away, to run more routes, to see more targets, and just hasn't lived up to billing. Like Justin Watson is a more prolific threat in that offense than Sky Moore, and that's a problem. Um, both those receivers, super disappointing. And one thing to add on the Traylon Burks stuff, like you remember how upset Vrabel was when that A.J. Brown trade went down. And like it didn't even make sense for the capital they gave up, but it also didn't even make sense for the decision not to pay him because paying him was in their window. Like they're trying to be competitive now. It wasn't a team that was – tanking or looking to be less competitive it was a team that needed to be more competitive in order to break you know get over the hump and, and push yeah. themselves deep into afc playoff contention so the aj brown trade will go down and remember J- john robinson got fired halfway through the season last year after aj brown and the eagles lift them after up the like, eagles game. they know yeah. they know how bad that move was for this team and to get Traylon burks it's unfair expectations for Traylon burks but that's the situation they're in We'll get back to AG in just a second, but these days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This pod is also brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with 
FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I know I may be picking the Bengals with the news that Trey Hendrickson's playing on Thursday night. We shall see, though. Maybe a SGP is in the works. So visit FanDuel.com slash NFL and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Yeah, dude. All right, who's your number two? I got Evan Neal, offensive tackle for the New York That was my Lions. number two also. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, he has been – I tweeted it out today. But, man, he is among second-year tackles this year. He has the worst pressure rate allowed by almost 3%. He's allowed 12%. On pre- he's allowed on 12% of his pe- uh, pass protection snaps, he's allowed pressure. Whereas guys like Bernard Raymond, Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, who was a seventh-round pick for the Green Bay Packers, has played better from a pressure rate allowed perspective this year. I just don't think he has it at tackle. He might be a player who has to get kicked into guard. And at that point, he's so tall that he'd be – and even awkward body type to play guard. I don't, I don't know. Like I thought him coming out, he was one of the more high floor prospects. I know a lot of people loved his build. A lot of people loved his size. Someone that you could had production at Alabama against SEC competition that you loved, but he has not panned out for the giants. And we've said this before about young offensive tackles in New York, right? Andrew Thomas's first year, people are like, ah, oh, I don't see it. He's not there. And he's blossomed to one of the better tackles in the league, but this is Evan Neal's second year. And it isn't just bad. It's like worse than it was last year. So I don't know. I don't, I, with offensive tackle development, I think there's always this chance for it to turn around in their third or fourth year. That's usually what the developmental curve is. But I'd be super disappointed, given the draft capital they gave up for him, to, to, in, in the season he's had thus far. No, I, there's really no sugarcoating. He's been awful, right? Like <laughs> not getting, not improving, getting worse, chirping the fans. Like it's been a trifecta of just what you don't want to see from a developmental standpoint for a second-year offensive tackle. And, and with him, so I had him and Icky Aquino because I think Icky Aquino has been super disappointing as well. Um, yeah. But with Neil, like, kick him inside, I'm not sure fixes his issues. I just think he has bad balance and gets top-heavy. Like, he is a weird build. Like, he's an oddly cut offensive lineman that I, I don't – like, he doesn't look like a guard, whereas Aquino, I think has the kind of flexibility. Like, his problems are manipulating space – and timing up his hands with speed on the outside. I think on the interior, he can, like, once he gets his hands on guys, if he has, like, a quick window, he can still win reps and be dominant. I just don't see that with Neil, though. I, I don't see even see the high-end reps with Evan Neal. But I do think Aquano, he's not a tackle at this point. I, yeah. I think if you're the Carolina Panthers, next year your plan is Icky's kicking inside the guard, and we need to go find a left tackle in the future. So, uh, yeah, on that those tweet are, those I sent out, Iki Aquano only 6% pressure allowed, which is third best of any second year tackle, but six of those pressures are sacks. Like when he loses, he loses bad and he's been giving up sacks. And that's why the stats, maybe like the advanced stats of like pressure rate allowed or whatever it is, maybe don't paint the full picture on just how poorly he's performed at tackle. Better pass rushers, specifically speed rushers, has to beat that dude up in both the years he's been in the league. I do think that putting him back in that, you know, not back in that phone booth, but putting him in a phone booth to play guard probably sa- not saves his career, but has to play a lot longer than he is at tackle. I remember when he was coming out of NC State, a lot of people said, is he a guard or is he a tackle? I think it always made sense to try him at tackle. 
mm-hmm. give him an opportunity at tackle, given the athletic ability and the success he had at NC State. But it's not, it's not, you're right in that it's not as bad as the situation we have with Evan Neal because you're maybe kicking Neal in the guard with the build and the size that he has. Maybe that doesn't make sense either. And with the other thing with Aquino, nine penalties this year, 13 as a rookie. That's a bad yeah. You can't yeah. have guys committing that many penalties uh, along your offensive line. All right, who's your top one here? I have J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson has been an embarrassment since he signed that monster contract with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I know that was two years ago, and he was very bad last year, one of PFF's lowest-graded corners in the NFL last year, playing over, I think, a little over 200 snaps in the Chargers last year. But this year, you know, healthy, supposedly, plays the first two weeks of the season, doesn't play well, ends up getting hurt, ends up getting moved to the New England Patriots, back to the New England Patriots where he had that good start to his career, and he's graded out even worse with the New England Patriots. Like, he's completely fallen off a cliff. Like, I don't know. I can't remember a corner that had the success that he had through the first four years of his career. It wasn't like one year. The first four years of his career, he was not, I wouldn't say dominant, but a very good starting outside corner, the New England Patriots, not just to suck with his next team, but then go back to the Patriots and still not be able to perform. Like he has been a disappointment might be an understatement for him. Cause I don't know how it goes forward with JC Jackson. I don't know necessarily if he, he's someone that, can be leaned on it for anybody. I don't know. Like, do you, do you continue to try it with him? It, it's an, it's an awkward thing with JC Jackson. Like I know I highlighted, sec- I highlighted second year players at three and two. I debated Kayvon Thibodeau here because he has not built on his rookie season. He's been one of the lower ranked pass rushing players this year, but JC Jackson long into his career now. And I don't know if there's a, there's a writing of the ship for him. Honestly, I should have had him in the top three because it has to be, it, he has to be. So <laughs> Like, usually when you talk about worst for agency signings of all time, like Albert Hansworth is the one that comes to mind. But even Albert Hansworth wasn't a liability. He wasn't an impact yeah. player anymore after he signed uh, with – who was it that he signed with in free agency? Washington. Uh, he just, or no, Tennessee. You know, okay. Wait, it was, no, one it was of Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was Washington. He started okay. Tennessee. Going to Washington. There you go. Just he signed, nailed it, it in. the first, like, $100 million contract. I yeah. remember, like, on Twitter, it's like – Hundred million dollars for Alvin Hainsworth? Like I remember, like oh my god, that's insane. We're, we're giving out hundred million dollar contracts now. But J.C. Jackson might be the worst free signing of all time because he got top dollar for cornerbacks and was unplayable. They couldn't play him. He was costing games yeah. and still is, <laughs> quite literally, still is. So yeah, that's a good one. My number one though. Wait before you before you move off so quickly. Uh, worst free agent signing of all time. Can I can I give you another sprinkle of one? Yeah. Who? Javon Walker going to the oh, Jaywalk, the, the, the Oakland Raiders signed that monster Jaywalk. contract. <laughs> he signed that monster contract with the Raiders the twenty or two thousand or two thousand eight offseason. The next year had fifteen catches for one hundred ninety six yards. The next year didn't have a freaking catch in three games and was gone. I want like, to say he like, had one good year after he left, though, right? One good year somewhere. Not with the not with the Raiders. Not with the Raiders. Oh, okay. It was I with had, the Raiders. He had a good year with Denver after he left Green Bay. Yeah. And then he yes. signed a big deal Green with Bay. the Raiders after. Signed a monster deal with the Raiders. And I remember my dad wanted him dead. My dad wanted Javon Walker dead. It was like right when my dad was starting to understand what free agency was, because I was like talking about like, oh, we had this guy. We paid him all this money. Like, that's gonna solve some of our receiver problems. And that's coming out when the Raiders like then were like trying to write the ship. They're trying to figure their shit out because they just went to the it was a bad news, but they gave him this monster deal and he was just legitimately awful for the team and and, and hurt all the time. It was just terrible. Dude, and he is the one who had the game against them. Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, Brett Favre's dad dying 
Monday Night Football. He went off in that. Oh game. wow, that was that was I him didn't against that. the Raiders. Remember that it was like the where Favre just like buried him. It was Jay Walk went yeah. for like one eighty and like three touchdowns in that game. I love I love that game too because it, oh it's hard to be like screw this game because it's cool because Brett Favre's get dad dying whatever. But yeah. like Monday Night Football, the Raiders just getting undressed and <laughs> everyone talks about it as like the coolest thing ever, like the best story. It's the same clips every time them getting oh. posted and uh, but you're like as a Raiders fan, you're like damn, I I don't like this story. I don't think it's good. No, the contract was a six year. $55 million contract back then. Oh. Six year, 55 million. He had 15 catches in a Raiders uniform. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. 15 catches in a Raiders uniform. Oh my God. I was so pissed. I, I, my dad was pissed. Everyone was pissed. People bought jerseys. You had a jersey. I had a Jaywalk sweatshirt back in the day. It just, it was like oh, Jaywalk. Yeah. He had his own brand in like Green Bay. They're at like Boston store up there. I mean, you know. the guy knew how to secure a bag. I'll tell you that right now. He knew how to get a bag because that was oh. disgusting. Then he was involved in that shooting, right? In Vegas? Or he I don't was know. in the car when the guy got shot? Darren Williams, that was tough stuff. Um, all right. My top one is I had a number of different guys, but Jamison Williams this year has been poop, dude. Yeah. Lion second year <laughs> wide receiver. He's dropped five of his 13 catchable passes. He's only I'm so ran glad you brought him up. 83 routes in five games. They don't even want to play him. Now, when they do play him, they use them in like the routes that he should be running. Like he's running deep overs, he's running deep crossers. He's running deep posts. He's like trying to utilize the speed. But, and, and like, there's, there's some plays that could have hit. I still think he is fast, but the suddenness, it looks, it doesn't look like it was at Alabama before the ACL, right? Like he just doesn't have that mm -hmm. twitch at the line of scrimmage. Straight line speed's still good. Can still run by guys. And then just like the attention to detail. I, I, I do worry that he's kind of one of those guys who maybe lost confidence and you're never going to get it back type of guy. Like who's just, not going to, you know, going to go through adversity and not going to do whatever it takes to get back in the good graces of the Lions staff. He's going to, you know, complain about not getting touches instead of actually like rise to the occasion. I do worry about that possibly being the case with him. What, what's crazy is that you know exactly why it's going down because I don't know if you saw the initial picture where he melted nacho cheese on top of a vat oh. of hot cheetos on a paper plate and yeah that was the, one of his lunches and then he just, just recently, no attention to detail <laughs> literally recently just put like a half of oreo mcflurry inside of a double cheeseburger from mcdonald's like and i i'm not one to hate no i am i hate on people and how they eat sometimes because i think yeah you could be a little bit ridiculous my least favorite thing though is a picky eater this guy's not a picky eater this guy's just eating legitimate garbage like and i know that Receivers, specifically Chad Ochocinco, is famously like eat McDonald's every day as his like pregame meal. I know Chris Olave before he went into the league was like a big, big fast food guy, but he talked a lot about how like getting his diet right has made leaps and bounds for his like ability to impact the yes. football field. You can get away with the cheeseburger, Oreo McFlurry, hot Cheetos, nacho cheese combo when you're like 19, 20 and you're just physically gifted as all hell. That just starts to catch up with you, man. I don't know. Like, the food decisions with JMO, I think, are the biggest things that need to change. That and the betting. Like, the, the decision-making off the field is not panning out. You can't be betting on games, and you can't be eating Oreo McFlurry fucking double dogs. Oh, I swear. I'm sorry. But, like, I mean, come on. I'm sorry. I, I, you can't do it. This is, a, this, is a, this is a league where, like, you need to – your inputs, like, what you're doing off the field, what you're eating, who you're betting on, and what you're not betting on, they matter. They're showing up now. And I feel like – that's that would be the biggest change. It's like, dude, get this guy on a diet plan. I feel like he might be thriving. I, I 100% agree. And it's not, not every, like if a guy is him 
and he wants to eat McDonald's, sure. If you're a good player, yeah. established player, and you want to put garbage in your body, by all means. But as soon as you have all the stuff that's following now, Jamison Williams, as soon as you have kind of the start to the career that he had, and you don't see that as a wake-up call, you're a top 12 pick at wide receiver, and you're not even starting. They're trading for Donovan Peoples-Jones to play more snaps than you. Like, and that's not a wake-up call to you that I have to, like, have a little more attention to detail here. I don't think it's ever going to turn on them. He has nine nine catches in his career. He's been suspended for betting. There needs to be a lifestyle change. And I think that starts with the Orgby Flurry on the McDouble. Because that is that is a byproduct of a lot of because if that's what he's putting on IG, we don't know what this dude's eating another time. There's and hot Cheetos I, again, at one AM, hundred percent. If chance. you you know, if you want to be perfect, <laughs> you like in in the NFL, I believe you have to be perfect in a lot of ways, unless you're just different, built completely different. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to start changing these inputs, JMO. I, I and I bet you that guy finds a salad and stops putting the McFlurries down. I think he's gonna see something change. I think we could see something change because this is getting to a point now where. It's like a flat out bust. Like he's like flat John out. John Ross. Like, John Ross. Yeah, yeah. Like you know? yeah, exactly. He's making he's making decisions off the field that are preventing him from even being like a backup. I don't know. Like it, it could be a bad. It, it's rough. It's rough right now. Yeah. Get back to AG in just one moment here. But first, Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types make Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. They also offer weekly promotions. That can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash NFL code NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports, made easy. I had some other guys written down. Because I, I focus actually all on like second year players, but Calvin Ridley, I think, has been pretty disappointing. He just yeah, that's been it's been weird. Yeah, he just qu- hasn't quite been. He just, he just doesn't look like the same guy, and, and definitely is not what they want him to be, and how they're utilizing him. Um, Jack Jones has to be disappointing. Talk mm-hmm. about fast food, man. Loves him some Panda Express. He's gonna, uh, he's, probably looks- <laughs> he's gonna write the ship in Las Vegas, though. He's reuniting they, Antonio <laughs> Pierce. You know, I think Antonio Pierce. I think Josh McDaniels is someone I wrote down as someone who was pretty disappointing. Good thing he's out the building. What's been your opinion? I've been meaning to ask you this since we got on. Antonio Pierce. Yeah. He's probably doing a lot behind the scenes that I don't know about. But what I'm seeing front facing, the decisions he's making just to like generate positive vibes in the locker room, I feel like we need to write some of these down because he might just be doing the little things that every head coach needs to do. Installed the mini hoop, some 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 uh locker room wrestling matches. After wins, players don't come in until Wednesday, which has always been something that players have craved. Every play, anytime you see a coach say, we'll see you Wednesday, good head coach. He's now given a Raider of the Week parking spot to the player that performs the best the previous week. Bobby Spillane got it the previous week. Victory cigars in the locker room. Born and raised in Oakland. He's born a Raider, die a Raider. These little things, and everyone's talking about Mike McDaniel and the, the you know the Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. and and the and the Brian the the, the the Brian Johnsons, all these guys that are just changing the game. Antonio Pierce might be getting back to basics. He's like, dude, 
We just need the vibes to be good around here, play some football and make some plays. I don't know. Is Antonio Pierce figured something out that we should have been thinking about way longer? Yeah, I mean, I do think there is something to a new wave of head coach and the old wave just being dated in terms of like these guys and more because there's so much money on the line for these guys that like they're self-motivated. You're like, you can't motivate some of these guys via, you know, cracking the whip anymore. Like if you don't, if you know, the possibility of $20 million doesn't get you going, right? Like if that doesn't get you teamed up to play every single week, you're not going to have it right. Some Josh McDaniel mm-hmm. screaming in your face isn't going to do it either. So I do think over the past, you know, 10, 15 years, there definitely has been a culture shift in NFL locker rooms in terms of like what motivates guys. Um, and I do think that like you have to build a team or build your culture around positivity and like getting people mm-hmm. in a good mood, getting people excited to show up as opposed to treating it as like a job and work do your job, do what I say, that sort of thing. It's it just, I think that falls on deaf ears nowadays. I, I do think that the do your job piece of the Patriot way, it had established, and I think rightfully established, like a level of professionalism the mm-hmm. NFL requires that the college game does not, right? In, in that showing up on time and, yeah. and treating this like a job is super, super important. It's it's respectful to your coworkers being the teammates that you have and putting them in a position to succeed by doing your job. There's a lot of that that I actually respect and I think has to be in there. Like you can't, it's not all yeah. mini hoops and cigars. Like yeah. it is a job that we have to kind of show up for. But the piece of the Patriot way that I think other coaches have failed, you know, the Belichick tree has failed to like recognize in addition to that is you can't, you cannot be an asshole and 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 expect that everything's going to be good. Like as you're, yeah. you're bringing the Patriot way, but you're also just rude and and mean to adult men. It never it just never works. It doesn't yeah. work unless you're winning. Because the and everyone says, well, if you're winning, blah blah blah. It's like winning solves everything. How do you get there when you aren't winning? And that's where you've seen guys like Dan Campbell, I think, do a lot of those. You know, do a lot of the right things from a culture perspective, and that like players want to play for him. Players want to win for him. Players want him to be a part of the conversation. Players feel like he's positively impacting the culture and the direction of the team. And that, I think Antonio Pierce is closer to Dan Campbell than obviously a Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur, guys that are like trying to impact the game by putting players in legitimately a position to exceed with alignment and assignment. Antonio Pierce is like, we're just going to have you guys in the headspace to go out there, ball. Ball out, play mm-hmm. your best, let's win. I, and I don't know. I, I, I do think that. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about like this next head coaching cycle. Like, does it make sense for there's two routes, right? You go try and get the mastermind coordinator, whether that's a Mike McDonald on the defensive side, Lou Anarumo on the defensive side, or maybe you're looking at Shane Waldron. I like what he's doing in Seattle or Brian Johnson and what he's doing or Ben Johnson, excuse me, in, with the Lions. The other piece of this too is if you can't get one of those guys, go get a guy that like players want to play for, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Dan Campbell is. That's what I think Antonio Pierce is. Go get a guy that isn't going to completely ruin what you know any culture that you maybe are already building and that brings me to i wrote this person down it wasn't a disappointing player i know i said josh mcdaniels as a joke but like i honestly feel brian dayball has been disappointing this year i feel like how yeah like but it's specifically the things that you see you know publicly on the sideline with how he's treating some of the players like i i do think that Holding players accountable, keeping players accountable is something that he did a really good job of in the, uh, in, in the first year, right? Talking to Daniel Jones straight after that, like, really bad pick in week one and showing that he's got faith in the players and the inputs and all that kind of stuff. But I do think 
a lot of his frustration has been reactionary this season. And you've seen that kind of bear out in terms of not having a positive effect on what the players are doing, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what your opinion of Dayball has been this year. Yeah, I think I think a better way to say what I was trying to say earlier is that I think players these days are less likely to fall in line with authority just because they're authority figures. Like they're not, you need to see, the coaches need to walk the walk themselves. You know, they have to have whatever that is behind them. And, you know, whatever Dan Campbell has behind him, whatever Antonio Pierce, the personality, the drive, the want to, like, uh, you, you, got, you know, when you see it, right? Like it, it was something yeah. that well, when I interviewed Luke Fickle, I was like, okay, that's what that looks like. You, you know, they, some guys just have it. And not just the guys who are faking it, the guys who are, you know, ruling with an iron fist just because that's what they were taught to do when it's, you know, just doesn't fit them. So I think that may be the bigger thing. What'd you ask me? Uh, before, yeah. Before we go, <laughs> the only thing I got left for you, and I know we're running out of time. I don't know if you've already talked about this on the pod, but give me your takes on the Ken Dorsey stuff. See, I don't think it's that big of a deal because I always thought it was behind the scenes, pers- personality, whatever. Like, if, and it was mm-hmm. what, that's what, uh, Sean McDermott came out and said was that it was he wants a culture on the offense that's different. It's not mm-hmm. play calling. It's not. It's you know the locker rooms are fluid units, right? And a guy that can command that, and a guy that has like the respect of the locker room that everyone can fall in line behind and like actually go to war with. It probably like sounds like from what's being reported that was not you know Ken Dorsey, and so I don't think yeah. it's like. It's the, the ironic thing is that uh, Joe Brady had the exact same thing happen to him in Carolina. Uh, and sometimes that just happens. Like, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Buffalo Bills, but also because Joe Brady, I think, is a darn good OC himself. Like, he's a good offensive yeah. And you're not going to, like, take but, a step backwards in that regard, I don't think. See, seeing the reporting come out today about how Sean McDermott wants the offense to generate a subculture within its culture that's, like, I think he said, like, focused and dialed in. Maybe there was a looseness with how – Dorsey coordinated the offense and maybe I know I'm making assumptions based off just that reporting, but maybe an overemphasis on alignment assignment and less of an emphasis on the vibe and, and and what he wanted the culture of the offensive players to be. And then, and you know, he moves on from whatever. My only problem with it is I don't think it happens if they win that game. And I think when you make decisions, when you make decisions like that, it's bad process because that game's won. If you have fucking 11 players on the field, when they kick that first field goal, Making decisions off of losses like that, I think, is dumb. And people are like, it's, they're not panicking or whatever. Leslie Frazier left last year. Now Ken Dorsey's out. Sean McDermott, if he's not panicking, he's he's reacting, right? And being reactionary in this league when wins are very volatile and their last, I think, now six or seven games have been one-score wins or losses the last few way. Like, that's how this game is. The bigger problem, in my opinion, in that game was – Calling that third and 10, cover zero blitz when they're already out of field goal range, putting the, your, your DB in a position where you could throw up a Hail Mary ball like that and potentially get yourself in a situation where you're getting that defense pass for And then how the hell do you have four players on the field next year? That field. Those are the bigger problems for me. The slow starts and stuff, I wrote about this for the ringer.com. Like they have been getting out to slow starts and they've been dialed in down the stretch. Maybe that's some of the subculture that they're trying to generate with this move. All in all, I just feel like whether you think Kevin Dorsey's a good bit play caller, a mid play caller, or a bad play caller, Doing it reactionarily like this, I think, is bad process. Yeah, it's like it's like it seems like the move before the move, and that the second move is you lose your job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all Probably, too often. They, all they, too often, this they, this kind of play. Playoffs. Yeah. 
Because if they miss the playoffs and then they go to the pool of offensive coordinators looking for head coaching jobs, they're going to be an attractive spot, very attractive spot. Yeah. Because I, any any Ben Johnson, Shane Waldron, any of these guys that's looking to, you know, or uh, maybe even Bobby Slowick or guy for PFF, any of these guys looking for interviews at the head coaching spot, they see Josh Allen's opening up. They're like, yeah, let me get a little swing of this bat. I, I, I can get involved. I can see what's going on here. So the Bills do have that opportunity. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Very interested to see i think they write the ship honestly I, I don't think they missed the playoffs. we'll see though well thanks brother for joining as you do every thursday we'll uh talk to you again next week always fun talking with ag i know we went a little out of order there some scheduling conflicts this made more sense so we are doing interior offensive linemen tomorrow top five of that make sure to check that one out and then sam monson of pro football focus joins on friday to rank this running back class and he texted me today saying there's a guy he's unreasonably high on in this class. I can't wait to find out. I didn't even push him. I just said, I want to find out on the show. So we'll all find out together. Until then, take it easy.